Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today, the day of the posting of this podcast is November 30th, and that's my wedding anniversary. Karen and I were married 24 years ago today. So Karen, if you're listening to this podcast, happy anniversary. I love you so much, and I'm so thankful to be doing this life with you. All right, enough mushiness from us. Uh, We're going to read Psalm 4 today and then pray and spend some time looking at the Word. I'm really looking forward to this. There's some good, good meat for us in this, this poem. David says, Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask you today to help us to see truth in your word. We pray, God, that we would see our own lives in this poem, in this psalm, and that we would see and maybe learn a thing or two about how we're to respond specifically when we encounter distress. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the poet begins by reminding us of something that I think we're probably all more aware of now than we have been maybe at other times in our life, and it's this. Distress is a part of life. And when you are in distress, God's desire is to do two things, to give you room to stand and to give you access to his grace. And I think it's really important for us to just sit and acknowledge that trouble comes into every single life. The rich and the poor, young and old, trouble is common to all of us. And when trouble comes into our life, distress, the feeling of distress, is a normal human response. And so distress is also a part of life. Not only is trouble a part of life, but feeling distressed. What we do when we respond as humans to trouble, that's also a part of our life. It does us no good to pretend that things aren't that way. See, if we pretend that or believe the lie that um, distress is something we experience, but it's somehow not normal, then we'll feel victimized by our feelings of distress. Or we won't know how to respond to distressing events. Because if you experience a distressing event, the appropriate response is to feel distressed. Now, we don't want to be overcome by distress, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments, but to feel distress is to be human. But the poet here has made a decision, presumably ahead of time. He's made a decision that when he feels distressed, which is normal, he will cry out to God in the midst of that distress. 
And we touched on this a bit recently here in the podcast. See, the poet doesn't allow circumstances to power him down or numb him out or shut him off. He cries out to God with his voice and his body, hands raised probably, in the midst of difficulty. And I just think that there's an invitation for you and me to make a decision that we will be the kinds of people who will cry out to God when we feel distressed, that we won't be surprised by distress every time we experience it. Remember, distress is common to life, so don't be surprised by it. Cry out to God when you feel distress. See, I think we have a challenge here, though. Many of us live with this sort of mythology that we're either meant to be in control of distressing circumstances on one hand, or others of us feel like we're fatalistically going to be overwhelmed and overcome by distressing circumstances. So depending on how you're wired, you either think you should control people in circumstances, or you feel like you have zero control over people in circumstances, and so therefore you're overwhelmed or uh, beat down by circumstances. See, one of the things that the Lord is asking us to do is to recognize that he's not asking us to control people and circumstances and outcomes on one hand, or he's not inviting you to be overwhelmed or destroyed by them. He's inviting us to name distress and cry out to God. See, what the Lord doesn't want us to do is to internalize distress. He also doesn't want us to displace distress. Now, let me unpack those two ideas because I think these are two errors or two sin tendencies that each of us probably struggle with in one way or another. When I internalize distress, it's when I let it get on top of me and then go into me and it spirals in my head and it causes a generalized sense of anxiety, a feeling of just general maximizing or amplifying of distress that takes over. And when we internalize long enough, it becomes almost impossible to verbalize. And this is why the the psalmist cries out to God when he feels distress. Now, there's another way that some of us probably deal with distress. We displace it. We kick our dog when we're really sad about our jobs. Or we yell at our kids because we're frustrated with our spouse. Just today, when I was, the day that I record this podcast, I put my earphones in to go for a run early in the morning and they wouldn't work. And I just threw them down on the table and left and rent for a run in silence. I wasn't upset about the headphones. I was distressed about some other stuff, but the headphones became a kind of convenient displacement outlet. And so many of us, I think the Lord would have us go, what do I do? How do I behave when I'm distressed? Do I internalize or do I displace? And beginning to become aware of your sin tendencies is a first step in us beginning to cry out to the Lord because then we know what we're crying out for. So on that run for me today, without the benefit of you know podcast or music, I had to pray for about 30 minutes. And the Lord really revealed some things to me, revealed to me where and why I'm distressed, the things I'm trying to control. And he invited me to surrender outcomes. So I was able to come back into the house and say to Karen, babe, I'm sorry for getting snippy before I left the door with my headphones. It wasn't about the headphones. The Lord wants you to know what you do when you're distressed and how you might react in ways that are not redemptive. Because, as the psalmist said, God wants to give you room and give you access to grace when you're distressed. But y'all, we've got to acknowledge our distressed spaces and let go of control. 
and he hears our prayers when we do this. He's attentive to us. So the after saying that, the, the psalmist says, when you are disturbed, do not sin. So what he's trying to do is link it here, right? Like it's risky when you're distressed because you might fall into sin. But I want to say it's okay to be distressed and disturbed. That is not sinful. It's normal to be disturbed when you're distressed. Please know this. We have to own our disturbedness, if you will, or else we'll leak it without acknowledging it and we'll just frustrate the people around us. But the, the psalmist does say, don't sin when you're distressed. So here's some ways that you might sin when you're distressed. You'll speak rashly. You'll kick your dog. You'll take to social media and rant and rave. We have a president that seems to do this a lot, and it's quite embarrassing, but we probably have equivalents in our own life. You hold grudges. You become suspicious of people around you. You turn to food, drink, TV, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what do you do? Maybe you do one of the things I just mentioned. Maybe I missed it. You have to do the work to know where you sin when you're disturbed. Where are you vulnerable to sin? The, the psalmist says, when you're disturbed, don't sin. So if the poem had ended there, we would be in trouble. This would be like sin management behavior modification. When I know I'm disturbed, I just have to not do bad things. But that is not what the psalmist does. He doesn't end it here. He moves immediately and he tells us what to do when we feel disturbed. Y'all, what I'm about to tell you, what David is about to tell you is going to change your life. When you're disturbed, David says, ponder your distress on your bed and be silent. So what is he trying to say? He's saying, when you're disturbed, don't react, respond. Step back, talk less, take space, don't act out of your distress. So much of the terrible choices we make, the hurtful words we say, the bad behavior at work or whatever happens when we're acting reactively out of our distress. And so here, the psalmist actually gives us a way forward. He says, when you're distressed and disturbed, which is normal when things are going wrong, Step back and get alone. Y'all, we have to learn to be reflective versus reactive. And that's exactly what David is getting at here. We have to have mechanisms at place, in place, in our lives where we intentionally step back and reflect on what's distressing us. Where we're able to then name the things. Rich Villalotis, who is the pastor at New Life Fellowship in New York City, he took over from Pete Scazzaro. He's developed a great tool for what to do when you have to go to your bed, when you're disturbed. Um, this, is, this is Rich's uh, stuff, not mine, so I'm not going to take credit for it. It's his, but this is a game changer. He says, whenever you experience a disproportionate reaction to an event, a conversation, a person, a crisis in your life, Go alone, get to your bed, metaphorically, and ask these five questions. You ready? What happened? What am I feeling? What, does the what is the story I am telling myself? What does the gospel say? And what is the counter-instinctual act that God is requiring of me? So a way to get at the bottom to the bottom of what's disturbing you is to recount what happened. So like what's the event itself, the conversation? Can you recount it? What are you feeling? 
sad, angry, ashamed, whatever, afraid. What's the story that I'm telling myself? And that could be, I'm dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a hothead. That could be the story that kind of relegates you into a caricature of something less than what God says. And then he would say, ask, what does the gospel say? Who does Jesus say that you are? What does Jesus say about that interaction? And then finally, and this is really important, we ask the question, what is the counter instinctual act God's inviting me to engage? So what's the subversive act, the kingdom act, the thing that's different from what I'm feeling in my worst moment? If you can't write those down because maybe you're in your car, shoot me an email, krischris at renewingthecenter.org, and I'll shoot you those list of questions. Really, really worth getting into the rhythm of your life. You got to reflect to get to the bottom of what's disturbing you. And when you go to your bed, metaphorically, to that quiet place, you got to know what to do when you're on that bed. And I think those five questions are actually really powerful to help you get to the bottom of the things that are triggering you. Here's where we're going to leave it. The, the poet, after speaking to us about that, essentially tells us this. When you reflect deeply and you hear God's voice, you are able to experience joy and rest. Isn't it interesting that right after reflecting on his bed, being disturbed, the poet says, you've put gladness in my heart more than when grain and wine abound. And then he says, I'm able to go to sleep. Do you see it? After reflecting with God, the distress turns to rest. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. He wants us to recognize that untended to distress will only spiral. But when we begin to get to the bottom of it with God, distress turns to rest. And then we're happy. You know, like after you've had a glass of wine or two. It's no coincidence that the poet uses that kind of language. You relax into knowing God's in control and everything's going to move forward and be all right. That is my prayer for you today, that you would know God's in control and everything's going to be all right. Father, I pray for my friends and I ask you to give them grace, room to engage when they are distressed. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to know how to walk with you in uncertain times. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you would like to continue meditating on what you heard today, take some time to recall an idea or an image that encouraged or challenged you in this episode. When things stand out to us in God's Word, or in our lives, or in what we're reading, or in devotional talks, it often means that God is offering us His help and His guidance. When you have your idea or image in mind, carry it with you as a prayer, coming back to it in the spaces throughout your day. How does it speak to you and where you are right now? What does it say about God and what He wants for you? Speak to Him about these things. Listen for his still small voice and respond to him as simply and as honestly as you can. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you back here again with us next time at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.